Randomly with Ronnie Jr. So now we got somebody who's no stranger to talking on a microphone and to the cameras. Head crack. I don't know how to necessarily label you. Dish Nation is one of your uh, nods. Uh, Bodega Brothers is one of your nods. The Morning Hustle and so much else. Like, how are you? I'm doing great, man. You know, during this uh, quarantine times, I just been finding like random things to keep myself occupied, mostly food. Um, but you know what I'm saying? But I'm having a good time, man. It's just like learning things along the way. Um, how do you, I wanted to talk to you about your creative aspirations. You're basically broadcasting quite a bit of your life all the time. Very busy guy. Was this something that came from a very young age? Were you one of the kids who knew you wanted to get into broadcast or did you find it somewhere else? You know, I tell people a lot of times, like, my whole life is kind of like Slumdog Millionaire. Like, whereas, like, you find yourself doing a bunch of things in as a child and you don't exactly know why, but you know this is going to come in handy at some point. Like, you know, I used to spend a lot of time for some bizarre reason watching Entertainment Tonight as a kid. Like, you know, whereas a lot of kids were watching cartoons or whatever or, you know, just like, you know, just fun child things. Even very young, I was just always driven to, like, pop and entertainment culture, and I was watching it. You know what I'm saying? Even, like, you know, um, you know, back in New York when I was growing up, if you didn't have cable, UHF television was your friend. And it used to be, like, a couple channels in the UHF channels that would show videos all day. But it wasn't MTV. It was just a thing. I can't remember what the channel was and what the network was called. But I would just watch it all day. Even though it wasn't like hip hop, I was just like, yo, I want to know about it all. So like I'm watching like rock and roll videos, I'm watching hip hop videos, watching R&B videos. I'm absorbing it all because I feel like at some point I'm going to need to know these things. Don't know why. Was just drawn to it. And then fast forward later in life, I know who a lot of these people are because I was paying attention from a young age. So it seemed like I was kind of always like, you know, I don't know, like just training for a job that I would have in the future. And I would just randomly notice stuff like, yeah, yeah, that's fair faucet. I don't know why I know this, but it's yeah. fair faucet, you know? <laughs> yeah, to grow up in that time when uh, with that network and, and MTV, VH1, really all of them was, was even for myself, it was the same thing. You knew that there was a connection. Like you would see the people who would talk in between the songs and it really felt like a dream. It really, really did. Um, and you stuck that with you. How did you insert yourself into radio and what was the first market that you felt like you sort of started gaining some success and some momentum? Well, radio came along because, you know, me and a mutual friend of ours, uh, Kino, we, all right, so we grew up in virtually the same neighborhood. Like, we, like, well, well at least graduated high school in the same school district. I'm, I'm originally from New York. He's originally from Dallas. But I went to the Colony High. He went to Louisville High. And I would always hear about this guy who, like, yo, he's, like, He's not from New York like you, but he's very hip hop and da 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 da. Like, yo, y'all would hit it off. And then when we finally met each other, it was like, it's you. Like, we knew each other were. So he was in a rival group. I was in a different crew. And, you know, we would always see each other within a hip hop scene. So it came a point in time where there was a new radio station that came in town, um, you know, called 97 on the Beat. And 
we're like, yo, we like the music they play, but they didn't have any DJs. So we're like, yo, let's go to the studio tomorrow and make a tape and turn it in like we already have a show. And this is what the show sounds like. It was me, him, and another guy by the name of Super K. Next thing you know, we get a call about a week and a half later. Hey, we want to meet with you guys, talk to you about giving you guys like, you know, a show. So we're thinking we're going to do overnights or something like that. They ended up giving us the night show. So it's our very first foray into radio, and we're like doing nights in the number five market in the country for radio. And that was the the first foray into having a successful radio show because we came right in, and within like less than a year, we became the number one night show in the city. So Dallas was our first successful market, and that was the first radio market that any of us had ever tackled. And then you fast forward five years, um, they start a new morning show. Uh, they put me with Ricky Smiley. And next thing you know, we're syndicated. And we're in St. Louis, we're in Augusta, we're in Atlanta, Miami, um, you know, and all these others in Baltimore. And it just, the list kept rolling on and on. So I've been very blessed to be a part of successful situations my entire entertainment career. I definitely got to ask you though, first though, New York, Dallas, the different types of lifestyles. Was there a moment that you resisted Dallas or did Dallas become something that felt right? And was it hard to connect with people? Like you said, you connected with Keynote. I mean, New York is so different, you know? Right, like I, I didn't resist Dallas as much as Dallas resisted me. You know, in some <laughs> in some aspects, because you know the South is very proud of what they have, and sometimes they could be very apprehensive towards out of towners coming through and doing stuff. Now, granted, like you know, my New Yorkness also made me very unique. And it also gave me a lot of good energy from people because like, you know, I didn't sound like anybody else. And people, you know, and Dallas is one of those cities where there's a lot of transplants that move from other places. So, you know, yo, when I hear you talk, you remind me of home, whoop-de-woo. You know, so there was a lot of people I connected with. And there's a lot of people after over time I won over. Just okay. because like, yo, when I met you, you like, you know, I didn't know I was gonna take you, but yo, you cool. So, you know, it's just a matter of just being there long enough for people to really get you get to know you and you know, and understand that yo, I'm not some elitist New Yorker, you know, coming in trying to take over. Like, yo, I'm a person who has a story to tell just like yours, and you know, we're going through this life experience together. Let's figure it out. You know what I mean? So culturally there was also some differences too, because there was things like, you know, in New York there's mad Puerto Ricans. In in Texas is mad Mexican. So, like, you know, <laughs> there's certain things, you know. That I don't different. even think in Texas they say mad as much. I'm just saying. <laughs> nah, not at all. Nah, like, they got their own slang and everything. So, it's just a matter of, you know, and just even the racial breakdowns. Because, like, you know, when you go in, like, certain cities like New York, Chicago, you know, they're not black people, white people, Mexican people. They're, like, black people, Nigerian people, Jamaican people, Irish people, Italian people, uh, you know, Dominicans. It breaks all the way down. And it seems like a lot of times in Texas is like, it's like you're like one of five things. Yeah. Well, I think the thing that is important here and just going off another radio, well, beyond radio, an actress now, but like hearing Lala Vasquez's story, being a girl from Brooklyn, but then coming to Atlanta radio. And I think I recently just watched one of her, uh, you know, like an unsung, uh, what would be called, uh, what would TV One's, the, the documentary. Yeah. yeah. And, and it's weird because these are the things that could like make us quieter or feel like we can't succeed in a different market. But these are the things that become special. Like she in Atlanta radio became a special thing because she did have that Brooklyn, Puerto Rican vibe. Same thing yeah. I'm assuming you had. Oh, and going off the note of Keynote. Yes, Keynote was somebody I met for Fuse TV. It was a project that happened in 2005. And to know Keynote as a hip hop kid for sure is a thing because 
I mean, you know, I won't say the name of, of one of his children, but like he, like hip hop is influenced through his his DNA for sure, for sure. Um, you guys, yo, started, for real, for real. Um, huh? And I said for real, for real, like yo, like he's. I was, about, I was about to say it. It's highly respectable, but I also don't want to say it. Um, but you guys, what point was the music? So was the music as you're doing the radio? Is it kind of hand in hand? Does it work for each well, other? We were like, you know, always doing hip hop off the grid, you know, amongst ourselves, because that was like what brought us together. The fact that like he was a kid that rapped at other high school. And so like that was always a part of like, I guess, what made us, you know, like we both use music as coping and healing mechanisms for whatever was going on in our life. So like, you know, he, we always were writing. Even when I was in middle school, I was always like writing raps, freestyling at the lunch table on a bus or whatever. So, and same thing with key. So when we got on the radio, we didn't necessarily use it as a platform to push our music. We was just using it as a platform to let the city know like, yo, there's dope people in the city being dope. And we were like, you know, we had the opportunity to play a lot of people's music and, you know, we got to just come on the radio and talk crazy. And like, you know, we didn't like every artist. We was very vocal about <laughs> certain things, you know, like I think some people maybe liked or hated us for it because like we were brutally honest at a time. Not everybody was being brutally honest. It's like pre breakfast club. This is pre, um, you know, you know, like after the star and buck wild generation, of radio, but no one in the South had really heard nothing like that yet. You know, like, you know, we would shoot a record and just turn it off in the middle of it. You know what I'm saying? Like, we were, we were wilding, you know, things yeah. that most program directors probably wouldn't even let you, you know, let you do at this point in time. But we had a guy who, like, you know, hired us who was just such a visionary. He's like, yo, you come on the radio every day, you be you. You don't got to love everything because that's what makes you real. Like, you know, there's people who probably love what you're playing right now. There's people who probably hate what you're playing right now. But just find the balance in what you do to where, like, you're not, like, beating up someone's favorite thing all the time. But you're representing that percentage of people who are not rocking with everything that's going on, you know, because there's, there's some of that, too. Yeah. And you guys had a big, I would say, not hurdle, but like you're a newer station going up against like the big, you know, Dallas radio station, you know, yeah. the market. That's not easy. So the fact that you guys combine friendship with the music, with just enjoying like the radio program is probably why it worked. Why the heck is it called Bodega Brothers, though? Uh, okay. Where did that come from? So, you know, we were trying to think of, like, what to call our crew collectively. Because, like, you know, I had my own thing going on. Key had his own thing going on. My man Travi had his own thing going on. And we're like, you know, musically, we're kind of like a bodega. You know, because, like, you know, you go to a bodega, you can buy, like, a sandwich, cigarettes, a gun. You know, a little bit of everything, right? And, like, so musically, we kind of encompass all those things. We're not necessarily a thousand percent a party group. We're not a political group, 100%. We're not a, like, you know, just a rapidy rap group. We kind of encompass all things. So kind of like musically, you walk into the bodega and you walk out with a little bit of everything. So we kind of super serve the community the same way a bodega would. You can get a little bit of everything from there. Especially at 345. Yes, indeed. I know many, many of it. I grew up in SoCal, but I spent a lot of time, uh, six years collectively in New York, both uh, Harlem and, and Bushwick. So it, it's uh, it, it, I, I've liked what you guys have done because ever since the moment I worked with Keynote on the Fuse TV project, we had a synergy because I was working radio at the moment and then he was telling me about this Dallas station. So for me, it was really interesting to see your career flourish, hearing, you know, reading the all access trades of, oh, head practice is, is on this Ricky Smiley morning show. Like it was a real cool thing for me to see because it wasn't like I didn't know who this person was. I had already been following, you know, of course, Keynote's career and then yours as well. And also a big shout out to Keynote because he did go with the really fun moniker at one point. I don't know if he still does it. Uh, Hispanic from another planet was his 
was his vibe. So kudos to that thing. To, sure. to this day, man. And I, and I think that's what really makes him special, man. Because, like, you know, like, mentally, Kino is from another planet. And that's, like, the yep. dopest, you know, like, one of the dopest <laughs> things. I'm so glad he stuck with it and, like, really made that, you know, part of who he is. What is that transition like for you, though, when you get to, like, new eyeballs, working with Ricky Smiley, and that kind of transitioning to Dish Nation? What does Is there compromises in the way you broadcast, or was it just, like, a good stage for, you know, your age and, and where you were going directionally? I mean, stylistically, you know, I've always been able to, you know, kind of be like water as it represents to what I'm doing new. So the dynamic with the night show that me, Super K, and Kino did – I was kind of like the straight guy on the show and Kino and Super K were kind of like the wild, crazy ones. On Ricky's show, Ricky's like the wild, crazy one. I'm not necessarily the voice of reason either. So I kind of had to turn into like the Lee Harvey Oswald and just like be able to snipe from the roof and get my jokes off that way. You know what I mean? Like, so that's who I needed to be for that show. I needed to be the entertainment, the hip hop guy, the guy who knows about the new sneakers that's coming out, but that's also who I am anyway. But that's not what I had to do on the previous show. So you just kind of got to figure out with this new machine, what part do you play? Are you a screw? Are you a bolt? Are you a lug nut? Are you a gear? So no matter what I do, I, I just fall in. And as it relates to Dish Nation, you know, like, you know, you take radio from being a one-dimensional medium where it's voice. Now it's voice and how you look. And at the time, like, you know, I, I'm on Dish Nation. There wasn't so many people with dreads on on TV doing entertainment news, you know, from the very beginning. So, you know, I had to, like, make sure, like, you know, my hair was always on point and, like, you know, you know, and, you know, I always, like, looked the part and represented because there was a lot of people who, like, identified with me. It's like, wow, there's somebody on TV that looked like me. And, you know, and it was cool because, like, Dish Nation never really told me to hold back or do anything different than what I was doing. I got a chance to go in there every day and be me. And that was one of the things I really love about doing the show. You know, so and it's, it's always been fun. They're like, yo, go for it. Give us more of your opinion. And this has had different incarnations because I remember as a radio person, I would like watch it and they'd see different hosts across the board. And you're one who has stuck the test of time and like pretty much, you know, that voice on Dish Nation is very important. I want to ask you quickly as we get out of the Ricky Smile experience, which was fantastic, but also to your new show. Um, what is, was there something you could take along as far as like a big lesson of that experience? And for how long were you on that show? I was on the Ricky Smiley Morning Show, and I always lose track of time as it relates to how long I was doing it. But I feel like I heard somebody say something like maybe like 11 years, maybe 12 years. It just – morning radio makes oh time God. go by so fast. It's all a blur. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. It just went by so blindingly fast like I truly lost count. When someone told me how long I was actually working for the company, I was like, there's no <laughs> way that could possibly be true. But I started radio on a very even year. And being aware of what year it is, I'm like, yeah, it has been that long. Oh, my God. Like, where did all the time go? So, I mean, the biggest takeaway is, you know, the only way you can ever do something as long as I've been doing it is you have to truly love it. Mm -hmm. You know, because getting up at the time that you have to get up in the morning to do morning radio it is not the most pleasant thing in the world. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it is tough to do. And if your love and your passion ain't there, you will burn out fast 
and you won't be able to really do it for the long haul. And like, you know, and also too, like, you know, even with this business, like if your intentions aren't right and you don't check your ego at the door and just, you know, keep all your bridges intact, it is a hard road to walk down for the long run because I've seen some people like, you know, get to a certain point and just like think they're on top of the mountain and just talk to people crazy. And like, you know, I, I keep my energy, energy consistent, you know, whether I'm the janitor or the person who is running the building, I keep my energy consistent because you never know what's going to happen. And people don't forget nothing, you know, be a, a, an unreturned phone call, a weird handshake, a weird vibe, you know, people don't forget anything, man. So I, you know, if I ain't learned nothing in this business, just be like, Hey man, be the same person who walked in the door Tuesday as you were on Monday. Well, no. And on the flip side, they remember the good stuff. Like there's those little keys that, you know, like, you know, when you use somebody's first name in the sentence, you know, it's, it's valuable when you look them in the eye, it's like, there's little things you could do to show that like, I'm here professionally because it is such a fun career. People forget all the business. I wanted to uh, just note like what you're saying. People don't realize if you get hired as a midday radio host, yes, you're going to have long days because there's a lot to do these days, you know, with the broadcast, social media. But when you do mornings, and I've only done it twice, I did it with Rick D's in Los Angeles, and then I did it my own morning show in Arizona. And there's just this thing that like I thought in my head, <laughs> to be honest with you, that it would be you wake up at 3.34, and then you rock out till about noon. But there's just, no matter what you do, it's turn, noon turns into two, two turns into I need lunch or breakfast. It's, it's a really wild thing. And so to maintain it for all these years is pretty crazy. Uh, Headcrack, I wanted to ask you, um, what is that experience like where you know, because you've done it for a long time, your confidence is intact, you're like, okay, okay, I'm ready. I'm ready to, you know, to reshift the morning hustle. Is that a you thing or was that like the right timing? Yeah, I mean, well, the thing is like timing wise, you know, I felt I was ready to do my own morning show after I was done doing the night show. Like, you know, even after like being on mornings for like, you know, a few weeks, I just needed to know what it felt like to wake up that early in the morning. And then also too, I came from the grind of having to work six days a week doing nights, which looking back on it is like, how the hell was I doing that? Who was, you know, but you want to do it so bad because you love what you do. It barely feels like work. But then when you think about it, it's like, yo, I was only getting one day to myself. So now when you do mornings, it's very attractive because you get off at 10 a.m. on a Friday and it's like, yo, I got Friday and Saturday and Sunday to myself. So it was like really like a definitely, you know, definite blessing. Cause like my whole thing is like, I had it wrapped around in my head, like, yo, I'm gonna go to New York every weekend now that I have all this time. Da, da, da. And next thing you know, like you said, when you get off, it's like, yo, you get off at 10, now it's 12. You blink twice, now it's 4 p.m. and you have no time to yourself. So, <laughs> but you know, once I got the hang of waking up that early, I felt like I was eventually ready to lead my own thing. But you know, all things in due time, because it wasn't like I was rocking back and forth, like, oh, I want my own show, I can't do this anymore. It was never. Yeah. yeah, it was never that. I was going along for the ride, but in a perfect world, I wanted to do a morning show with the people I came in the radio with. You know what I mean? Like, I wanted to do a show with Kino. I wanted to do a show with Super K, bring a couple other people in. But, you know, sometimes in a corporate dynamic, they will be like, hmm, here's all the chess pieces we have on the board. We're going to take this person from this market and put them with that person from that market. So building up to the morning hustle we, uh, we interviewed and tried a lot of people and there was already a thing that they were kind of building in DC with, uh, you know, uh, Angie Ange, 
L'Oreal, another gentleman by the name of On Air Jordan. And, uh, you know, we I tried them out and we vibed. We super vibed well. And so then we like, you know, let's add, you know, one more person from the comedy world. Then we brought in Billy Sorrell. And then we started what is now known as the Morning Hustle. Uh, you know, the syndicated version. So we was doing a weekend show at first just to kind of get a running start, build the vibe, build the chemistry. Mm-hmm. And then by the time, like, you know, shoot, I think we started a weekend show. I think we started doing it like March. And by the time, like May, maybe even July rolled around, we kind of knew what it was about to be. And all right, cool. These, this is the squad. And then in January 6th, we launched the show. And, you know, we had a running start because like I was flying to D.C., on weekends or they was flying to, uh, you know, um, to Atlanta and we were like, you know, working on just being in the room together and vibing and we all get along, you know what I mean? So, you know, here we are and we're rocking out, man. And, and, and we're having a good time. And like, you know, even though we're doing it under weird circumstances, no one ever could have seen the coronavirus thing happening. But when I think when we look back, years from now yo the year we started our show oh, yeah. like you know we thought they was about to pull the truck up to the house and all these things were going to be perfect and that now like we had to work for it but i would rather have somewhat of a story than not have a story itself like this makes it interesting yeah yeah and i think yeah looking back this is like the the very like perseverance this is actually perseverance my question to you is as you've done it for so long do you get a, a sense where you always have to be like taking yourself to that sixth busy day or have you learned because you've had such a long career now and have like really built it? Are you able to slow down? Are you able to kind of turn things down and say, not really turn things down career wise, but take a moment. Has that been something that you changed as you get older? That is the hardest thing for me is to shut my brain off. You know, I literally work and work and work. And even if it's not just on radio stuff, I just continually do things. And so my brain shuts down and I fall asleep. You know, even on vacation, I'm thinking about working on something. It's not like, cause like the radio part of my brain, because I'm working on the show off and on, like if I think of something, I'll write it down or whatever. I'm working on a show off and on all day, but not obsessively as some people. Cause I know some people who literally like when they get off, they're like, you know, literally reading newspapers and stuff and just doing all types of weird things. No, I go out and live life and let life build the show for me. And if I happen to see stories, I'll write it down and figure out how we can apply that to what we're doing. So there's that, but then there's the destination component of what I do. And I have like maybe a 30 to 45 minute window after radio before we got to get ready to start taping Dish Nation. So we do that all the way to like 2 p.m., sometimes 2.30 on on a long day. And then by the time I'm done with that, you know, my kids are getting off from school back when school was a thing, which seems like it's been a million years ago now. Yeah. Uh, because his dad going, it's like, it's the longest summer ever. <laughs> it feels yeah. like, yo, I mean, these bad, kids. Or a bad winter. Yeah, yeah. This is so crazy. But, you know, all that, you know, so I don't really have a lot of time to like do recreational things I enjoy. But once again, being that cup, being that water in a cup, I just figure out how to balance everything out as the time presents itself. Like even to do this interview, I took like a nap. You know, which oh. I never get to do. You know what I mean? But like, I I carved out the time to take a nap to make it happen and get it popping. Because y'all you know, wouldn't be sharp. It's my first time meeting you. I was like, yo, I, I gotta come through for the homie Ronnie. But, um, you know, but it is hard because even when I'm sometimes I'm closing my eyes to like try to go to sleep, my mind is so active. Yeah. And I'm just thinking of things. 
when you get into creative space, it's so challenging. Like I used to use this term and I've been able to sometimes still be in it because you just get so damn creative, but sometimes I'm able to like cut it down, whether that's meditation or whatever. But I used to say this literally, I need 36 hours in a day because that's about when I'm done. 24 mm -hmm. throws me off. Like 24 means I got to wait. So I got to stop all of this, find eight hour chunk or six hour chunk of sleep, four hour <laughs> and do it. <laughs> I need 36. Yeah. That always threw me off. Um, just, so, just to wrap you out here, because I do know you got um, many, many things to do. What has been the highlight of working with Dish Nation? Um, the highlight of working with Dish Nation has been working with so many dope people, man. Like, I literally get to work with some of the most beautiful and awesome individuals that I've ever met. And it's like, you know, it's almost like when you have, like, a dope family and you have a dope foster family too, or a dope step family, you know, cause like, you know, my radio family is dope. And then for dish nation, it's part of my radio family. And then also people who have come along for the ride, you know, in the very beginning, Portia wasn't on dish nation and now she's on dish nation. Portia Williams is one of my favorite human beings in the actual world. You know what I'm saying? Like, Awesome human being. Same thing with the brat. Awesome human being. Um, and then, like, you know, Heidi and Frank in L.A., they dope, too. You know what I'm saying? And every time I go to L.A. and I get a chance to lock in with them, it's always a good time. And even going back to the other carnations of uh, Dish Nation, like even the Dallas crew, like the Kid Craddock Morning Show, like, you know, like, you know, J.C., you know, Kelly, Big Al, um, you know, uh, you know, Jenna, you know, R.I.P. Kid Craddock, you know, like they were dope, you know, to, you know, to be around, too. So, it has, you know, it has really built a new family. And the people that you even don't get to see, the camera people, like, you know, the people on our side, Sylvia, my man Trevor, our producer Swan, the people who are behind the scenes, the producers, you know, we got to see a lot of people come and go, but a lot of people got to come and still be there. Yeah. So it's been an amazing eight-year ride, and hopefully eight years from now, we're still talking about, like, yeah, you know, I remember when yep. blah, 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 didn't have kids, and now they do, and such and such. No, and I track back, I watch it and I see, see your work again. We've, we've never really met other than through keynote. Um, but I, I see now Chewy Martinez is on it. That's somebody I worked yeah. with years ago. We were Super together. dope homie. And like, yeah. I feel like I know him and I've never met him in real life. Oh. Cause every time I go to LA, like when you, you know, you know how LA trips be, especially when you're coming from New York <laughs> or the East coast rather, um, you feel like you have all this time. Like, you know, I'm a land Friday and I'm a link and lock it. And you, it just feels like you have like 96 hours and you don't because like Sunday's a travel day back and you leave kind of early. And I keep never linking up with Chewy every time I go to L.A. But I feel like I've met him a thousand times because of Dish Nation because we like talk down the line. And he's been that ambitious. He used to go by a different radio name prior when we worked with him back in 2001, 2002. But like that type of grind, like that guy has been – I mean, 36 hours for sure of his type of work schedule all the time. So then, like, the other day I pop it on and I see he's a part of the show. I'm like, that's a, that's a cool vibe. Like, that's, that's, that's hey. the next step. Yeah, so for another eight years. And it's also really cool. I'll wrap out soon. It's really cool to know that you said these great things about Portia because I got to tell you, I watch The Housewives. I, I watch a lot of The Housewives. I watch yeah. the Kenya more. And so it's nice to hear that Portia is an easy, you know, to work with type of gal also. Yo, the wildest part about the Real Housewives situation, because I can say this for Portia. I can say this for Eva. I can say this for when, uh, was my homegirl, uh, Claudia Jordan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Claudia Jordan. And, and, I, and I've also met Phaedra. I've been around a few times and I've been around some of the other Housewives. When I watch that show, I'm like, who are these people? Oh, on the TV. Yeah. yeah, so I don't watch the show now because it's like, I don't, I don't know that version of them. And, um, and the crazy thing is, um, the crazy thing is, 
you could tell if somebody's not really are who they say they are because after a certain time, it'll change. Portia has never changed the entire time I've known her. And I've known her before we were doing Dish Nation together. Going back to one time she was a guest on the Ricky Smiley Morning Show. Her energy was dope then. And then I would see her in public. She would have the same friendly energy. And then when we started doing Dish Nation, her energy has never changed. Same thing with Eva. Like, Eva's another dope person who, like, you know, I've, I've snuck in and watched the show just to support my friends. I'm like, yeah, I don't know them. Uh, I'll see y'all in real life. I'm out. You know what yeah, I mean? So, yeah, yeah. you know, the edits, the, family. Well, yeah, those edits are everything. Um, I'll let you get some rest now. Um, last bit of advice just for people that have maybe hit a roadblock, you know, like they've maybe got in the way of their own selves. I've done it a couple times in my career. I feel like I'm on an upswing now. But what is your big bit of advice uh, just for somebody who's kind of hitting a roadblock? Yo, um, sometimes you have to close your eyes and listen to your internal ver voice, and that's going to tell you what direction to go. Um, sometimes we overthink things, and while you're overthinking, either they're going to close the road or the door or the window or the opportunity is going to shut. Sometimes you just have to go for it and go in with 100% and remove all doubt about the decision that you're making. Um, you know, like literally, if I could have done my entire life over again, I would not have done anything different. Same. Love you it. You understand? It, it all happened for a reason. <laughs> Support the morning hustle. Believe in Bodega, because that's still oh, going on. Of course, Dish Nation. Any other things to plug or any other places we could find you? Well, yo, man, uh, you know, I got, like, you know, in addition to Bodega Brothers' work, we got some new music out there. Called, we have a single called The Path Less Traveled by the Bodega Brothers, which is available on iTunes right now. Um, I just dropped a solo uh, video for a song I have called Cali. That's K-A-L-L-Y. Be sure you check that out. And, uh, yo, we just going to keep uh, having fun, pumping out content. And I uh, can't wait to get back on the road and, like, you know, rocking shows again, man. Uh, I'm getting a little stir-crazy, man. I'm going to go swing yeah. and rap. We're going to get through it. We're going to get through it. Thank you for time. Yeah. Head crack, I appreciate it. Nice to virtually meet you and uh, keep Likewise. Keep yeah. God bless you, Ronnie. Thank you for the opportunity, my brother. Appreciate it. Peace <laughs> and love, baby.